Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Christians in the commandments, we're interacting with the law in a different way. See? And what I found this morning when I asked you, how did you feel about that? When we read the Ten Commandments, how did you feel about that? What I heard was an overwhelming negative response, except for hope. Psalm 1, the way of the righteous and the end of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Young men, young, young girls, listen, whose counsel are you hearing? What are you listening to? Where are you standing? Who are you standing with? It will impact your life. But his delight, so this is the thing, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I did not hear a whole lot of delight coming from the congregation when we read the Ten Commandments, except for Jesse. Did you? Did y'all hear some delight? When I read the Ten Commandments and asked you how they made them feel, no one said, I feel delighted. That was wonderful. Mwah. It's because we do not understand the Christians in the commandments. We don't understand how to interact with them, do we? Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, therefore you are, now, you are no longer under condemnation. You are no longer under condemnation. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. And now we jump to 119 of the same book, Psalms. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my way. I love my dog, Edgar. We were wrestling this morning in bed, driving Trisha crazy. I got like scratches here because he, he forgets that his fingernails are like really long. He calls them claws, but like he needs some kind of a pedicure. And we're going at it and he's like, Shrr. and I'm like, dude, you have fingernails. And we're wrestling. Well, sometimes Edgar will come to bed and I will give him his little, his little antler thing. It's like a, that round. And now, since he's been gnawing on it, it's about that long. And every now and then, it'll fall on the floor. And I won't pick it up because um, sometimes it's kind of lazy when I'm in bed. But then I got to get up in the middle of the night. And I don't turn the light on sometimes. Sometimes I'll just go in the dark. And what happens? Dude, that hurts, man. I step on it, and then I'm like, oh, man, oh. And I'm trying not to wake Trish up, and, 
And it, it's painful because I don't have a lamp where my feet are. And sometimes when it's pitch black, I'm, I can't see anyways with my glasses. And I'm just like looking for the door. And pff, there's the bureau. And there's no light onto my, my path. There's no light to my way. But the law of God, the word of God is a delight, and it is a lamp to my feet to keep me from stepping on Edgar's bones, or when my kids were younger, the Legos of death. I thank God neither one of my kids really liked playing with Legos. You step on the Lego of death, you might as well be shot. He goes on in verse number 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. And Jesse said, I hope in your word. I hope in your word. How should we feel about his word? How should we feel about the law? What does the scripture say? What did, what did, the, what did the psalmist say? He said, I delight, I delight in your law. His delight is in the law of the Lord. The word is a lamp to his feet, a light unto his way. He is his hiding place and his hope is in the word of the living God. And so we know that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, which we are no longer under, points to Jesus. So is it still useful to us today? Absolutely, 100%. It points to Christ. It reveals the nature and character of our God and our King. He is holy. He is holy, full of love, full of goodness, empty of evil and wickedness. And it is revealed in the Old Testament. How should we feel about the law? We should love it. It now guides and directs us not for salvation, but to the very character and nature of Jesus himself. It's a lamp, it's a light, it's a hope, and it should be a delight. It should be a delight. In fact, the law, the law to both the unbeliever here this morning and to the believer is a blessing. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ alone, that means only Jesus, and the law is making you feel guilty. That is a blessing to you. Oh, what a blessing to you. And it should be a blessing to us, Christian, because it guides us into the paths of righteousness. It guides us into the likeness of Jesus. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the hearts and the intents of man, the intents and the hearts of man. That's Hebrews chapter 4. Are you, are you struggling with direction, with guidance, with holiness today? The law should be a delight to you. It should be a joy to you. It no longer condemns you, but it should be lighting your way up. What a blessing. What a blessing. Look what 2 Timothy says about the law, about the word of God. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That is where we are today, by the way. We are dismissive of the word of God, the laws of God. We're dismissive of them as if they have no impact on us whatsoever or impact on the world or any of it. But listen, if the world does not know that the world is in sin, 
the world will remain lost. The world needs to understand that it is, in fact, under the law of God. It is lost, and it is in sin, and it needs to repent. And maybe one of you is here today in that same condition, and I hope you've already begun the process of turning to Jesus and putting your faith in him this morning. The world needs to know, thus saith the Lord. Listen, they may not be Christians, and this may not be their book, but they need to know that there is a God that they are going to answer to, and he has given them his book. And if they reject Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, do you realize they're going to be judged by the law? Their behaviors, their thoughts, their attitudes, every single word that has come out of their mouth, every deed that they have done, they will stand before the great white throne judgment, and they will give an answer to him for the sin that they have been living in. God is so holy. We cannot, I, 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 I think we have such a hard time fathoming the holiness of God. He cannot abide the smallest stain of sin. He is utterly and completely holy. This is why the cross behind me is still on the wall because on that cross, the love of God mixed with the holiness and the wrath of God and was poured out onto Jesus. We don't get a pass. Some people think that because we've trusted in Jesus Christ, oh, we've just gotten a pass. It's not a pass. Someone else has paid the penalty for our sins, and we should be living in eternal, eternal, eternal gratitude when we read those Ten Commandments. Yes, how many of you are measuring up? No, I'm not, but, but they should inspire us to desire to be like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should want to be like Him, but it should also remind us of what He did for us, the penalty that He paid for us was every time we messed up on the law, he suffered for us. But you must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from, from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to, make, able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What holy scriptures did they have when that was written? The Old Testament and whatever letters had been circulating among the church from Paul and Peter and James and Jude and John, right? They had the Old Testament scriptures. They had the, those few letters that were gaining traction as the word of God, which they were. And he said about the Holy Scriptures that they were able to make him wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. In fact, Jesus, after his resurrection, he was walking, uh, there were two disciples walking into a town called Emmaus, and Jesus appeared behind them, caught up to them. I think he was behind them, caught up to them, surprised them, and said, hey, where are you going? We're going to Emmaus. What are you doing? What are you talking about? What do you mean, what are we talking about? Everybody's talking about it. And they told him about Jesus. They told him about himself and his crucifixion, and, and, uh, and then he began to open up the old Testament scriptures. What scriptures? 
the Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament, hadn't even really begun yet. He opened up the Old Testament, and from them, he showed them what? Starts with a J, ends with an Jesus. What did he show them in the Old Testament? Jesus. Hallelujah. When we read the Old Testament as believers in Christ, with the blessing of the New Testament, we can read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament, and we can gain spiritual insight that previously would have been lacking in us, but for Christ. All Scripture, all Scripture, how many, how many of the Scriptures? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Profitable for doctrine, that is the teaching, the body of teaching. Reproof, shame on you. Reproof. What are you thinking? Why did you do that? Correction. Instead of doing that, you should have done this. And instruction in righteousness. Folks, this is the word of God, that the man of God may be, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God is for our benefit. It's for our benefit. I'm going to use Randy for a second. But this time, I'm not going to make fun of him. By the way, Randy's like my big brother. He's one of my heroes growing up. Randy is a Ford Master Tech. And, and he is, by all rights, when he, he is a Master Tech. He's not only knowledgeable, he is gifted. He's able to chase things down faster than almost anybody else I've ever seen, anybody that works at that place. Uh, he was out of work a little bit, and the people there were dying. Like, where's Randy? I'm like, I don't know. I wish he was here because uh, I had to get my car inspected. But my car passed, so I was really happy. So Randy, he doesn't just use his two bare hands to work, does he? I mean, is he grabbing? Uh, I mean, is he, if you see him, he's pretty powerful. But is he grabbing like that bolt and just like twisting it off? I don't need no stinking wrench. Is he doing that? He could. Well, maybe not. So he's taking a what? Wrench, socket, right? And then he, then he finds out that, well, that sucker is like not coming off. Like he's going he's gonna to strip it. And so what does he grab then? Now, I'm not a mechanic, Randy is, but I'm assuming he would grab a pneumatic wrench, an impact wrench, so that he doesn't strip it. So he grabs the impact. <laughs> Impacts are awesome. I used it on my son's brakes. We did brakes together. Pops that bolt free. He has these tools in his toolbox, and they are a what? A benefit to him. But if he had that impact wrench sitting there in his toolbox and he just left it there and he was like, nah, you know, I can get it with the wrench. I can get it with the wrench. And then sure enough, takes it off and now that, that nut looks like a round cylinder because it's stripped. Well, then what do you got to do? Use more tools, figure out what you're going to do. Sometimes he has to cut it off. 
Folks, the word of God is a benefit to us. Think of it as that pneumatic wrench, that impact wrench. It's a benefit to us. How often do we look at it? How often do we use it? He says it's profitable to you. It promotes or enhances, listen now, your well-being. That's what the word of God does. It promotes or enhances your well-being. It's a blessing beyond belief. Because although it doesn't have the power to save or sanctify, it points to our need and to the answer of our need. It reveals to us the character and the nature of our holy God. So the law can't justify anyone, but it doesn't condemn believers. It points unbelievers to Christ. It points out their, as Donna said, their inability to keep that law. For the believer, it no longer condemns us. Instead, it condemned Christ in our place. In our place, Jesus was condemned. When you read in the Old Testament, all of those law that, laws that say, so-and-so does this, so-and-so shall be stoned. So-and-so does this, so-and-so shall be stoned. So-and-so does this, so-and-so shall be There's a lot of stoning going on. Why do you think Jesus died on the cross? He had to fulfill the law. He had to die. The penalty he had to pay was death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through the law. Dude, you've been walking with me? Come on, man. Through, starts with a J. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, man. So, the law and the believer. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. How do we as believers interact with that law? Well, first of all, we interact with it with gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for fulfilling that law. Secondly, we should be, listen, man, the law is good. It is good, though it no longer condemns, it is wonderful for us to follow. It is a blessing to us when God is first, most, and best in our lives. In fact, that law is, is repeated in the New Testament. Jesus is asked, oh, what's the greatest of the laws? He said, the, the greatest law is this. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy strength, all thy soul. Right? That's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's more or less the rest of the commandments. Don't covet, don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. Don't lust. And so this commandment, it is a blessing to us. As a believer, it can reveal our hearts. It can challenge us. It can encourage us. You know, Christian, when we, are, when we are confronted with sin by the word of the living God, that is called grace. To be confronted with sin is grace. Why is it grace? Because sin destroys and corrupts what God is building up. You understand? So when we read this, this commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. 
where do we stand according to that? And I want you to understand that beautiful commandment. That beautiful commandment that reminds us that God needs to be first, most, and best in our lives. Have we let things creep in and captivate us? Are there things in our lives that enamor us, people, things, places, that pull us away from God's glory and God's worthiness? You say, oh, pastor, you're convicting me now. Conviction is wonderful. It's a gift from God. You're not condemned, but you should be convicted. Don't, don't think of convictment. Convict, Lord, conviction as something bad. It's something beautiful. Is there something in our lives? So when we hear this, we hear this commandment, it's an opportunity for us. Nothing between my soul and my Savior. Not of this world, right? Oh, man, we should, be, we should be reviewing our lives. It condemns those who don't have Jesus. It condemns those who don't have Jesus, but it convicts us and encourages us to draw power from the Holy Spirit to cast out works of darkness in our lives that have supplanted our God in the altar of our heart, in the throne room of our heart. Our enemy, Satan and his fallen angels, are insidious, and they grab hold of our flesh, the fallen nature, and they try to drag us into idolatry, lifting things up above God. But as Christians, we have the power of the Holy Spirit we have the presence of the Holy Spirit within us to convict us and to empower us to change. And that is glorious. That is glorious. When we look at God and we think of his holiness, we recognize that this very first of commandments is of the utmost importance. I am the Lord thy God. You shall have no other gods before me. He is holy. He is righteous. He alone deserves our time and our worship. What are we doing with him today? Now, if you're a believer, you're not condemned. But conviction is a gift. Oh, I was so convicted by this a couple weeks ago. I was so convicted by this verse. I'd never even really considered it before. But I was looking at things in my life, things that were taking up a lot of time, and I realized that what was happening is that I was worshiping something other than God. And let me tell you something. When that conviction came upon me, it was a gift. Oh, it was a gift. It was glorious. It was wonderful. Oh, it was such a gift because it inspired me to put God first and to love him most and best. The law is good. The, in the law, there is, as Jesse said, the, the law is hope. We read that in the Psalms. The word of God brings us hope. Wherever there is a commandment, there is a promise. See, God does not call us to do things that the Holy Spirit will not enable us to do. 
I was thinking about wisdom the other day. The definition Pastor Z used to use is this. Knowledge is, is the right knowledge, the true truth of God. All truth is God's truth. And so knowledge is knowing. But wisdom is doing what you know. It's using your knowledge in an appropriate and godly way. And then in James, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him pray. But don't let him pray with, with, with any kind of wavering and think that he'll get his answer. But if you pray without wavering, believing that if you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you, he will give it to you. And wisdom is the doing. Isn't that awesome? It's not just, oh, God, show me what to do. He's going to enable you to do it. Hallelujah. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope you recognize in the life of a Christian, man, the law is a delight. It is a wonder. It reveals to us the nature and the character of God. It should, it should uh, another place in the Psalms talks about the law is honey to my lips. How have you been treating the law in your life? Have you been running from it as a Christian? You don't need to run from it. It's a gift to you. You don't need to run from it. Embrace it. Love it. Cherish it. Meditate on it. And let, lo let the Lord be number one in your life. Our God is an awesome God. And sometimes you may feel so out of sorts with God that you just don't know how to fix it. Just come. Just come and worship and pray. He loves you. He adores you. You are his joy that he looked forward to when he was hanging on the cross. He loves you like that. He wants you. His arms are open to you. When Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the temple veil was torn in two. The veil in the temple that was torn in two was the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple where only the high priest was allowed to go into. And in that Holy of Holies was the mercy seat where he would make a sacrifice for himself and for the nation of Israel for atonement. But when that veil was torn in two, God was opening his arms wide to you saying, the mercy seat has been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Come, come. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources, and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.